Hola, mi gente, and welcome to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast, where we discuss all things Latina OX. I'm your Peruana host, Marie Linares. And with me today, I have Oscar. Hey, this is Oscar Tarikas. I am a student here at UVU, and I am majoring in social work. I use he, him pronouns, and my family is from Mexico and they came over here and I was born here. So I am considered Mexican-American Chicano. Awesome. <laughs> All right, and today the topic we'll be discussing is mental health within the Latinx community. So beginning with anxiety, um, anxiety is an emotion that is defined as feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. And people with anxiety disorders usually have reoccurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. Some of the symptoms of anxiety um, that people may experience are hypervigilance, irritability or restlessness, lack of concentration, racing thoughts or unwanted thoughts, which is intrusive thoughts, fatigue or sweating, anxiety, excessive worry, fear, feeling of impending doom, insomnia, nausea, palpitations, or trembling, etc., etc. And now talking about depression, depression is defined in psychology terms as a mental health disorder characterized by persistently depressed mood or loss of interest in activities, causing significant impairment in daily life. Some of the symptoms that people with depression may experience are anxiety, apathy, which is a lack of empathy, general discontent, guilt, hopelessness, loss of interest or pleasure in activities, mood swings or sadness, agitation, excessive crying, irritability, restlessness or social isolation, early awakening, excess sleepiness, insomnia or restless sleep, um, excessive hunger, fatigue or loss of appetite, lack of concentration, slowness in activity or thoughts of suicide, weight gain or weight loss, poor appetite or repeatedly going over thoughts, etc., etc. With myself personally, I have experienced both anxiety and depression, but mainly anxiety. Like my depression was usually caused when my anxiety was too much and had gone untreated for so long it went over and caused depression for me and for me like I would experience anxiety like in the sense that when it got so bad I would lose sense of like touch I would lose my sense of touch so whatever I touched or anything like I wouldn't feel anything my tongue like would feel like very numb and I would have a hard time like making eye contact with people because of how much anxiety I had so like all like the examples that I listed before I had like all of those, like I would feel all of those, but I, w I would also feel other stuff too, like, and I would switch off between like having an anxiety attack and then having a panic attack, which the difference between the two is that anxiety attacks are usually like, like anxiety that is building up and building up and building up until it finally becomes an anxiety attack, whereas a panic attack is something that comes on all of a sudden. And so I would have like moments where I would wake up crying because I was having a panic attack. To everybody, it's different. Not everybody who has anxiety is going to feel it the same way. I think for me, it's mainly like associated with like social anxiety. Um, 
but then like it could also like I, I, for me that's the main thing is social anxiety but again like there's different forms of anxiety and there might be also other forms of anxiety that also tr- like are what triggers my anxiety but I struggle with anxiety as well I feel like it's and depression not as much depression but I feel like it's 25 depression and 75 anxiety mm-hmm. but it will alternate at different yeah. points of my life um my anxiety I feel like really stemmed from like work ethic mm. like your parents come from Mexico and we're not from Mexico from like just they just immigrate here wanted to do so good and they kind of push you like hey like if I was able to do this this way you can do it even better now mm-hmm. and that kind of like really made me anxious just because like I have to be doing good. I have to be doing good. I have to be doing good. Like in school. Um, a lot of it came from like ability. Like I feel like I just have so much on my shoulders. Like responsibility for the family. Uh-huh. Like for the name and for the title. To the point like I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Like it's kind of uh-huh. like the disappointment. And that kind of like made me really anxious. And uh, it was a good part of it was also social anxiety. Uh-huh. Um, I've always kind of struggled with it my whole life growing up, really. While we were on lockdown quarantine during COVID, mm-hmm. I had COVID for two weeks. The good um, old days. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> and so I I had to be quarantined. And the couple of days before I was quarantined, I was supposed to be in Mexico mm-hmm. with my family. And because my grandpa had just passed away. So we were okay. going to go see him. Went to go see his his panteon and all that. So I wasn't able to go. So, like, that was, like, another, like, step into it. Like, yeah. I, I still wasn't as anxious. Because everything was under lockdown and you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. as anxious, like, before that. And during that time, I had really bad migraines. So I was using, um, like, cannabis supplements. Like, mm-hmm. either, like, just CBD or, like, a like mixture of... To, like, yeah, you? like, THC and... CBD, and it was an terpene, so it's like an oil that you just take at a certain dosage. Mm, okay. So during that, I was using that, and it was helping out a lot. And I was using that while on lockdown as well. And while I was locked down, I had gotten a cart, like a THC cart, mm-hmm. for when my migraines get really, really bad. But it was my first time using one of those. So I used that, and while I was on lockdown, I went into like full panic. And like, mm. like because of my anxiety, it kind of like, it like spiked. It, it spiked really bad, and that night I was walking back and forth, back and forth into my like in my room, mm-hmm. and I was getting like cold sweats. I felt like I was gonna die. Like I was literally like, yeah, I'm like it die. was like already hitting like anxiety attack mode. Like, right it was there. so bad, yeah, and I I could not go to sleep. Like like we should calm you down. I know sometimes, like, with people that have, like, anxiety and stuff like that, it'll make it fluctuate a lot more. Up. Mm, like the medicine so, that you were taking? Uh, the medicine wasn't. But if you take a really high dose, like, with the oh, cart, okay. that will exaggerate it a lot. Mm, okay. So if you take a good dose, like, a low dose, mm-hmm. then you'll be fine if you take it appropriately. But that time, I didn't take it appropriately. I just want to see how it affected me. If I did get a really bad migraine, like, okay, I need to calm this down. I'd take that, and I would calm down. But that was the first time and first and last time I hit one of those things. <laughs> so that's when my anxiety really, really, really started to take a hit on me. 
So what you've been doing to help your anxiety is you've been taking like, well now like you're like taking medication for it. Is that what you're? Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. medicated now. Like I'm on fluoxetine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me and anxiety, I have medication too. Um, I was like trying to think of the name, but right now all I can think of is a name for my birth control. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like, that's one thing. Like, when it comes to anxiety, like, we can't just wait it out. Like, if it, mm-hmm. there's a difference between being anxious and having anxiety. Yeah. When you're anxious, it's maybe you're worried, like, you have a job interview or you have a presentation and you have, like, a little bit of worry. Like, you're just worrying about it. And then once it's done, like, you're done, you know, you're good. But having anxiety is having ongoing worry no matter what you're doing or where you're at like you could be sitting on the couch but your heart is like racing like a million hours a million miles per hour and you're just like palpitating and you're sweating or or not or like you're like like me like losing sense of like my touch Mm -hmm. and sometimes like it can get so bad that like it like it triggers other other mental like illnesses like depression or um i'm learning this term as like derealization like Mm -hmm when like you start to like feel like everything around you is like a dream like it just doesn't feel real um like my anxiety has gotten so bad that i had i have gotten to that point where i would have have moments of derealization like just everything is just like foggy around me yeah um but to take care of that like to take care of like myself and my health um and what what oscar is doing too is we're doing medication um, I also have an ESA, <laughs> which stands oh, cool. for Emotional Support Animal. I have a bunny. Um, it's a Holland Lot bunny, and his name is L, named after the character from Death Note. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and then I also did therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, th- I do all three. Right now I'm off therapy, but I'm still on medication, and I still have my ESA. So I don't know. There's cool. um, some ways that I have dealt with my anxiety is therapy as well i think i'm almost at two years going consistently Mm. in the beginning (laughs) yeah in the beginning i i would go every week and that was like for four months straight Mm -hmm. every week every week because it was really bad and i just started to like taper off almost like almost like medication i very much see that as like a exercise and like medication and now i'm just going whenever i really need to like i just had my last session two days ago Mm-hmm. And before that, I had it like a month and a half ago. Like just whenever I'm like, hmm, I need to talk to someone right now. Like it's never, I, like my anxiety has gotten a lot, a lot more better. Not because I have been actively trying to like counter it and like not cure it, mm-hmm. but just deal with it. Because mm-hmm. very much you can use like anxiety, at least for me, in a good way. Like use the times when you're like really anxious to just do a lot of stuff like i remember when i I would have a ton of energy be like oh this is like a good time for me to clean my room or to go garden or do something i'm like because i'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get exhausted that quick so i would i would go do that and at the same time it would kind of or i guess like any kind of exercise i would do because then it it would like lower me down to like a normal feeling not mm-hmm. as like a high anxious but i want to be like at a steady nice feeling not yeah. so high of a threshold and like with like mental health and the latinx or latin a or 
those of you who are listening, whichever term you guys like to use, when it comes to mental health, um, especially with immigrants and children of immigrants, like first generation, second generation, like you, there are cause, there, there's causes like that are due to like like the experiences that our culture faces in the U.S. and goes through. Um, one of those could be like even identity and culture, like how we have talked in the podcast. For those of you who are barely listening to this one, um, I encourage you to listen to previous episode where we talked about identity um, within the Latinx community. But when it comes to identity, like there are like people who are born in the U.S., like like you, And some people, like, are born and they have, like, a struggle of, like, they're American, but their parents are Latinos and sometimes for their family, like, that are living elsewhere to them, like, let's say, like, the person, like, the said person is not considered Latino or Latina. Mm -hmm. So it gives them a sort of, like, identity crisis because they're, like, I am raised in this culture, I have this background, I speak the language, or maybe I don't, whichever one, but yet I am not considered, like... A member of this culture by people outside of like the u.s you know yeah. and then within the u.s there's the identity like struggle of like well i'm not i don't look like the ideal american you know i don't <laughs> yeah and i don't speak maybe i carry an accent because it's like the way that we talk at home mm-hmm. um but that and then also understanding your culture because when you're raised here in the u.s you have this ongoing like who who am i like um where like you're constantly like trying to understand yourself or not even maybe you're maybe some people don't put that effort in but it's still like a question that like they consistently like wonder about because they're some of us like are raised away from our family here in the u.s so we don't have that connection that family like like we know who our grandparents are we know we've like we spend a lot of time with them like we we're very connected with our family um and because of that like we're raised like with a kind of cultural crisis if you can call it that like trying to really figure ourselves out in a place that is um not our place of origin whether we were born here or not not where our culture originates from Mm -hmm. so those are some of the like influences that can influence like the latinx community here when it comes to mental health but can you think of any other ones so coming back from like uh immigrant background my family a lot of it is always having to do something like constantly like if you sit around you're like oh no yeah i'm going need to like be doing stuff yeah like i very much am guilty of that of always having to do something like any break that we have for school i always i'm like dang it like we have a break like i won't have anything to do i remember this last thanksgiving break we it was like how long did things even break like a week or two i think a week <laughs> a week oh it feels like forever for me because i i just hate not doing anything and i remember i like broke down crying because i wasn't doing anything i was just so anxious i was like i need to be doing something i need mm. to be doing something and that's kind of like engraved into us like you always have to be doing something like you can't take a break like you always have to be consistently doing something so i feel like and one I think thing like, also like historically like in the Latinx community, like, we have had to do a lot, like, whether it came, like, the labor workforce, um, or, like, we, ha- we have, like, in history, we have had to put a lot of work to be recognized at all, mm-hmm. 
or to even be seen on equal levels with our like white counterparts yeah it's almost like we just have to work harder to be up to this level as like the majority of this country really like just having mm. like the eco level ground there's is like an easy slope and us it has like broken stairs broken stairs everywhere they kind of have to like rebuild it work towards building that bridge or like the stairs to get up to their point like it's a lot harder mm. and we're just that just engraved into our head yeah, we just have to work that, harder like we're and now that we're like um like some of us are in school some of us are like changing like the narrative you know mm -hmm. there's still because in history we've consistently been having to work it's it's also it's hard like when you like it, like, to stay still to like just not do something like yeah. it gets so hard like you feel like the anxious need to have to constantly be doing stuff mm -hmm. um but like speaking on mental health I know that, like, in the Latinx community, there are varying degrees of barriers that makes it hard for people in the community to get the care that they need. So, like, barriers to mental health care. Based on the National Alliance of Mental Health, more than half of Hispanic young adults ages 18 to 25 with serious mental illness may not receive treatment. Um, this inequality puts, like, our community at a higher risk for like um for like ongoing and maybe even like persistent or severe or even like different form of mental health conditions because like when you don't treat one thing it can grow into something else and it keep growing and become more severe um but then also continuing with um the national alliance of mental health data Approximately 34% of Hispanic Latinx adults with mental illness receive treatment each year compared to the U.S. average of 45%. So only 30, around 30-ish percent, like 34, only about 34% of Hispanic Latinx adults receive treatment in comparison to the majority, like 45%. Um, and now, like, the barriers that, like, are affecting that, like, for one, we have language barrier. Language itself, like, it's real, it's how we communicate. And when you have language difficulty, it makes communication, like, communicating with, like, even providers or doctors or, like, even searching for medical help or medical, like, mm, like mental health assistance, like, it makes that very difficult. Um, especially for someone, like, let's say someone is, like, looking for a counselor to, like, talk about, like, sensitive or personal issues um which are like, private matters so it makes it very hard like and like to seek out a translator like and when it's something very personal like it makes it very hard and sometimes could even discourage people from the latinx community from even trying because because of how sensitive and private like their um circumstances and experiences are um but even, like, not just speaking the same language, but also having a hard time, not being familiar with communicating with mental health providers and, like, doctors. Like, um, I don't know about you, but, like, in my family, like, usually, like, if you're sick, it's like, ah, uh, um, how do you say it in English? Um, like, you know, like, de la manzanilla? 
chamomile. Chamomile. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, like with my friends, like if you're sick, you have a headache, drink chamomile. Mm-hmm. You have a stomachache, drink chamomile. You have cramps, drink chamomile. Yeah. Oh, you just fell down, drink chamomile. <laughs> yeah, it's very much just. <laughs> but, but yeah. Uh, like... Um, kind of to add on to that, kind of like the language barrier mm-hmm. that you're saying, like here locally, uh, there's a school district called Alpine School District. And I think there's only one or two Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. social workers working in the whole district. And the district is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's huge. Like, the the language barrier is very much a real thing. Um, another, like, additional barrier, I feel like, would be... Like the cultural competency, mm-hmm. like understanding, like having people that fully understand, not even fully understand, like that know where you're coming from. Like, because yeah, like, you can very much read a book of like the Latina experience, but that's not going to cover everyone. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't feel that stuff either. Like, mm-hmm. it's very different from experiencing it and just learning it yeah. as in reading it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of, like, a lot of the programs here will like have different like um situations of like people that they have done therapy for mm-hmm. like oh this per this this client had was ethnicity x and they had all these troubles because of it mm-hmm. but it's not all the same like very much like you're from peru mm-hmm. and my family is from mexico mm-hmm. we do not have the same experiences yeah, they're completely no. <laughs> different like we have a completely different dialects, even like mm-hmm. the way we talk, the lang- the different the words we use, too. the slang. <laughs> like we're very much different people, even though we're categorized almost to same. be the same people. Mm-hmm. So to understand, even just to understand that it is different from you, mm-hmm. is huge. Like you don't have to completely understand, but like okay, this person is different. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh, they are Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. I've heard this in a story. So like, so they, this must, is them. They, they must have that. Like, I understand their experience now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. No. Uh, nobody can nobody can really know someone else's experience unless they have walked in their shoes. Like that one like phrase, like walk in someone else's shoes. But mm-hmm. you can't ever walk in someone's shoes that you are never going to, like, if you're in a different, if you're a whole different culture than that person, like, you're never going to be able to understand Mm -mm. the experience completely from their side. You're never going to, like, be able to, like, really understand, like, the barriers that they face, even if you read about it, or, like, even listen to this podcast, like, you may be educated, which is very important, Mm -hmm. um, but actually feel that struggle, it's different. So different. But, but yeah, like, um, and you can talk about the stigma now if you want. But, but, so. More about stigma. Um, yeah, I guess another barrier would be the stigma, like, in the Latinx community, because it's almost seen as, like, crazy, like, for crazy <laughs> people. Like, people, yeah. like, I feel like a lot of parents, like, a lot of people will think of, like, oh, he's schizophrenic, he needs therapy. But, like, mm-hmm. simple things, like, even just, like, simple anxiety. Like, I feel like you should, you, you don't need need to go to the therapy, but it would be extremely helpful how to just deal with it. Because yeah. I don't think you can even get cured from mental illnesses, but yeah. I think you just learn how to 
deal with it and cope with from, it and cope with it from day to day uh-huh. so you can actually function as a normal person like or quote on normal person mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and like with that like stigma um i think in my opinion and what i have experienced is usually yeah like trying to reach out for like therapy like it's sometimes it's very hard because you don't like either you or your family like or like you know your community like don't want to admit that like you need that help you know and maybe some of it falls under like that push to be like model u.s citizens Mm -hmm. that push to like be like acceptable to be seen as acceptable so like kind of trying to push out anything that may like may impede that may like make that like may like change like it, it may affect like the way like the u.s people like like how do you it may affect the way like like the majority population views latinx community like yeah we want to push that aside and try to put it under the rug but that makes it worse for us yeah. um trying to like follow like that model u.s citizen idea mm-hmm. kind of to add on to that i feel like a lot of it is like what you're describing is like generational trauma mm-hmm. like you're wanting to like like it's just like past generation just like pushing it to the side not seeing it as something that can be helped mm-hmm. and like it's not like it's going to be like cured forever but you're just learning how to deal with it like um i remember listening to a podcast called latinx therapy Mm -hmm. and they covered codependency and it's basically a thing like a dynamic that you have to be like the women Mm -hmm. have to be helping the men in in like the culture like i know even like with older with my grandma at least like my grandpa that passed away like now that she doesn't have anything to do, it'll it takes a huge mental like strain on her. She goes through a lot of like depression, like mm-hmm. depressive episodes, and like just gets sad like really easy because she doesn't have anything to do, which is like generational trauma. Like always having to think, oh, I have to do something, I have to do something. And then like even another barrier is poverty and less health insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. So another data that I found on the on, on the National Alliance on Mental Illness is that about 15.7% of Hispanic Latinx people in the U.S. live in poverty. But yeah, so like individuals who live in poverty have a higher risk of mental illness and conversely, individuals with mental illness have a higher risk of living in poverty. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, um... In 2018, 19% of Hispanic people had no form of health insurance. Um, in addition to facing an already limited pool of providers, so already like how we talked about like language barriers, like identity and all that, like um, they also have like the barrier on top of that um, with fewer options of insurance or even any insurance at all, like lacking that. I feel like a lot of Latinx families like do struggle with like money mm-hmm. i think that every, every latino is like poor but like that's just like like they're just new to this country so mm-hmm. they don't have all this old money it's mm-hmm. very much new money like mm-hmm. standards so even just justifying like 150 dollars per session mm-hmm. is a ton yeah. and it depends how often you have to go even monthly uh, it adds up so like it's hard to justify that much money just to go really and they would think like to get to to go talk to someone like they would they wouldn't really see as really helpful yeah and like even like how you're talking about like even like 
even with like the insurance and like the money and like having like the resources or the ability to like pay for this like mental health care even legal status like that is a very important like mm-hmm. factor that plays a role in the men- like the mental health like area of the latinx community um because like for immigrants who are undocumented um they fear deportation they fear like a lot of stuff and like even like it affecting their families so like they stay away from like going to places that they need that that would provide them the care but they stay away from it because they don't wanna they they don't want to risk the chance mm-hmm. of it affecting them and their family in a negative way yeah because like just because it's like a medical field like thing like it's like a doctor like a healthcare provider are you talking to like a therapist they feel like they'll just get their name into the system and they'll be found like it's just it's really tricky like it's it feels very scary when when you don't have like proper documentation here yeah um there are children of undocumented immigrants who are eligible for health insurance under the affordable care act but many families either don't know about that um or don't know about their eligibility or like you said are afraid and it they're afraid to be separated. They're afraid of something happening. They're afraid mm-hmm. of, like, it coming back and biting them, yeah. you know? But speaking of immigration, like, the immigration itself, <laughs> um, like, acculturation. Which is kind of, like, assimilating to the majority culture, almost, like, conforming to that culture because you just don't want to be, like, an outlier. Like, almost, like... I feel like even you in Nazi, blend in. yeah, you want to blend in almost like in Nazi Germany, like, like survival mode. <laughs> you're in complete survival mode. Like you don't want to be speaking Spanish here. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to have an accent. You want to have the whitest accent as you can have. Whatever white <laughs> is considered. You want to be dressed like white. You want to. Which is interesting because like there are accents even within the state. Like with all over the states, like there are different accents mm-hmm. even within the U.S. Yeah. So it's like, which one? Like, which one's the right one? Like, yeah, it's um, hard. When it comes to, like, acculturation, like, acculturation, like, um, it depends on, like, the person's level of acculturation, like, how much they have embraced or adopted the dominant culture of, like, where they're living, like, here in the U.S. Um, it can, like, affect, like, your access to healthcare. Because those who have, like, um, a higher level of acculturation result in higher... Um, utilization of like mental health care I guess I get more accepted into like but it's also kind of a struggle too Mm -hmm. Um, because Latinx communities we have like um, the risk of these mental health issues because of the stress we face with discrimination while also trying to like navigate like both cultures and trying to Mm -hmm. acculturate like acculture Trying, I don't know how to do that word is in English, but acculturation, like trying to do that for ourselves, trying to like blend into like the U.S. culture mm-hmm. with that ongoing pressure. So having that and then facing discrimination, like and having to navigate within like both like acculturation, but like who you are and who you're reminded you are based on discrimination. Yeah. Um, well, who you're reminded you are in a negative way based on discrimination. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that creates a barrier. Like, And it's also, like, a cost of, like, mental health, like, illnesses, too. 
but something that, like, I don't know, like, now that we've talked about, like, the barriers and the symptoms and some of our experiences, like, for those of you who are listening who may be experiencing some of the things that we named have had similar experiences or have your, like, have something completely different, but you, like, know that it's affecting your life in a negative way, like, mentally, um, there are several resources, um, I'm going to name first the National Alliance of Mental Illness, like, the resources, like, some of them that they have, like, some help that they have, like, um, named. Um, if, like, for example, finances are preventing you from finding help, you can, um, for those who feel comfortable, you can contact your local health clinic. But those who obviously, like, are not in a position that feel comfortable with that, you can find, like, you can find information online with finances at findtreatment.samhsa.gov and if you or a loved one doesn't speak English or are not comfortable speaking in English you do have the right to receive language access services at institutions without any cost to you you can also request like an interpreter if needed in your preferred language if you don't have legal documentation, you can look for clinics and resources that care for all members of the community. Latinx-based organizations often provide services no matter what your legal status is. There's also, for those who have social media, there are many resources that you can also look up on Insta, for example. One of the resources that I came across trying to look into therapy and just trying to get more into like in tune with Latinx like mental health needs was Latinx therapy. They're a page on Instagram. They have a link that will that you can tap on. It's called Dictionary Find a Latinx Therapist. And it just shows you therapists around you that are Latinx or that do support the community. Which is awesome because like how you were saying, like people will never be able to experience our experience fully. But it's very it's very helpful when you have like a therapist who understands your background, who mm-hmm. has their own experience and are part of like the community. Even though their experience is different, they're also they're still part of the community, the Latinx community. And you don't have to like tell them everything. You don't have to like explain mm-hmm. every little detail. You can just go in and get to the point. Yeah. And they'll understand all the mm-hmm. context from it, which is really nice. And then I I have a friend who like who is a therapist? She's a BIPOC therapist. So, um, uh, BIPOC, for those who don't know, stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. And her Insta username is Therapy with B R E E Z Y. So, Therapy with Breezy. And she is a Black mental health um, advocate, but she also is educated in a lot of like stuff regarding the BIPOC community. So she's also somebody that you guys can look at, look at her Insta. And one that I absolutely love is her handle is curly underscore therapist. And she is Indian American and she has a blog. She has a book like she has like and all of her like her whole page is very uh, motivational for the BIPOC community. Also, having representation is so important. And it's so helpful when we have representation in mental health care positions. So for those who are listening, like, there are 
Like, and even, like, the Insta that Oscar was saying, like, he, like, told me about it, like, and I was looking through it, and even on that page, like, that Insta, they have so many Latinx uh, therapists that they mention, and a lot of, like, videos and a lot of, like, conversations with, like, the community, members of the community, so that is a very helpful page that, thank you, Oscar, for showing me, um, and those of you who are listening, like, I highly encourage you to check it out, too. So another resource that you guys can reach out to if there isn't a Latinx therapist around you on the Latinx therapist dictionary is Psychology Today. That's what I use personally to find my therapist because they, none of the therapists were in the dictionary. So I found I used Psychology Today and there's a tab that says find a therapist and you can also like filter through like what communities you're part of, what language you speak cultures and what you're mainly facing is like anxiety depression ptsd and all that which is really nice to wrap it up like i think also when we talk about resources one of the very highly important resources is the suicide prevention Mm -hmm. lifeline and i think it's very important to also share their new number because it used to be a long, a long number, <laughs> mm-hmm. but now it is only 988. 988 is the new suicide hotline number. So if you or someone you know may be at risk for suicide, call them. It is at no charge to you. Call them and get the help that you need when you need it. Even if you don't feel like, if you start feeling suicidal, like just call. But yeah, so thank you so much for everybody who listened to this episode. And I hope that it helped any of you who may need like the information that was shared or any of you who have friends or family members that may benefit from this information, from the resources, from understanding the barriers uh, related to the Latinx community. Um, thank you so much for listening. And once again, like we'll have another episode out next week. We're getting close to the end of this podcast series, but it has been a fun ride. I hope that many of you will hop on next week too and listen to the next episode. Bye. See ya. Take it easy. Thanks so much for listening to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast. I will be back next week with a whole nother episode. But before ending this episode, I'd like to give a special thanks to our sound engineer, Meg McKellar, for making this show possible, as well as Kevin McLeod for the music.